Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 283, where we interview Tiffany Grant from Money Talk with Tiff and talk about entrepreneurship, keeping expenses low, and leaving corporate America to follow your dreams. I'm going to just go ahead and do it, see what happens. If I mess up, I learn from that mistake, and then I take that lesson and then I move on to the other thing, you know? So I think that's a big contributing factor is I'm so willing to take any risk, (laughs) any risk, as long as it's feasible. um, And as long as, you know, what I perceive to be the risk reward is worth it, I'll do it. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my always knows just what to say co-host Scott Trench. Mindy, I'm I'm, I'm at a loss for words. (laughs) You're my favorite. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or leave corporate America three times, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. I first met Tiffany a hundred years ago, and I'm so excited to finally be able to connect with her and bring her on the show. I love her story because it doesn't start out perfect. She has always had an entrepreneurial streak in her bones, and then life kind of happened. I, I love her quote a little bit later in the show. She says, life doesn't happen to me. Um, life happens for me. But at life you know, threw her a couple of curveballs. And instead of saying, well, I guess this is just how it is, she didn't stop from her dreams. And she continued on. And now she is an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, self-employed and living the dream. That's right. She's kind of like Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciated her story. I thought how it was she like Chuck Norris. Life, life doesn't, you know, life doesn't happen to me. I happen to life, you know, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, I think I think she has a great story. I think the entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit's there, and I think that the the theme here is that her, she's able to keep her expenses so low that it opened up a tremendous amount of options for her, in spite of you know I think a number of of circumstances that you know um were were, were a barrier to building wealth for Tiffany. So I think it's a great episode, and look forward to hearing from her. Becoming a Navy Federal Credit Union member could help you earn more and save more. Take advantage of competitive rates with their certificate options or start saving for that next big money milestone with a low minimum deposit. Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe a live-in flip, or feeling ready to consolidate some of that high-interest credit card debt, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed-rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses much more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval. 
When it comes to your retirement, let me guess, you're making contributions, maxing out your accounts every month, but then your money just sits in stocks or mutual funds or bonds. What if you could do more with your retirement funds? What if you could invest tax-free or tax-deferred in real estate projects like single or multifamily rentals, commercial real estate, Airbnbs, syndications, and even land? Well, with a self-directed IRA Club account, you can. And with IRA Club, you can invest in it all. Real estate, stocks, private placements, and more. Plus, IRA Club accounts are fully administered, so they take care of the paperwork while you focus on investing. Stop letting deals pass you by. Unlock the full potential of your retirement funds with IRA Club. Head to iraclub.com slash biggerpockets to book a call with our IRA specialists today and receive a free account your first year using promo code biggerpockets. That's iraclub.com slash biggerpockets with promo code biggerpockets. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Tiffany Grant from Money Talk with Tiff. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I am so excited. We have finally connected. We have been missing each other for years. Literally years. <laughs> Literally years. I met you in at FinCon in uh, Washington, D.C., which was like a hundred. It feels like it was a thousand years ago, doesn't it? Because it was Pre-COVID. pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and then just, you know, we've been locked down for two years. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show. Like you said, it's been in the works for years. So I'm finally able to finally get on. I'm so happy to be here. Well, let's jump into it. Where does your journey with money begin? Ooh, where do I start? Okay, let's start with when I was little, right? Um, So just a little background. Um, Nobody in my family is really good with money, but for some reason, I always had an interest in it. Um, So when I was about five or six years old, I started my first business. Um, And that business was, I called it Tiffany's Cafe. And I would go to my grandma, ask her what she was cooking for dinner that night, go and type up a menu. And then I would hand it out at dinner and take people's orders. And it was like chicken was 25 cent, rice was 10 cent, you know, big numbers for little kids. And um, (laughs) I would take the order back to my grandma. She would make the plate. I would bring it out. And then at the end, I would come around my piggy bank and collect, you know, my money. Um, (laughs) So that was like my first experience that I remember when it came to money. Um, And then from that point on, I always had some type of business throughout the year. So seventh grade, um, my hustle was buying and selling books on Amazon because I love to read. So I was like, oh, well, how can I make sure I have a never ending flow of books? I can buy and sell on Amazon. (laughs) So I would buy them and then I would sell them back used. And then I would use that money to invest into the next book and so on and so forth. 
Um, and then when I was 16, I remember having a business doing cheesecakes. I would make cheesecakes. And at that time, I was working at CVS. And so I would bring my little cheesecake samples. I don't know if this was legal or not, but um, I would, my manager said it was fine. So we're good. Um, <laughs> I would bring my little cheesecake samples and um, have the customer sample and they would order my cheesecakes. And so that was my business at that time. And so I've always had something going on as it relates to money. And then I also remember um, being little and cutting out coupons. I mean, nobody used the coupons, but I just like, you know, going through the motions of cutting them out. Um, now, as we fast forward, um, I found out I was pregnant at 17. Um, my trajectory at that point, I wanted to be a chef. I got accepted into culinary school. And then like a week later, I found out I was pregnant. So I was like, okay, I can't go all the way to Charlotte to culinary school um, because that's too far. I won't have a support system. So um, I decided to enroll in a community college and start my career in business. Now, and, and where was oh, this again? This is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's where I currently reside. So I um, ended up getting enrolled into um, community college because it was too late to apply anywhere else. And one of the things the lady said, she was like, what are you doing here? She was like, your GPA is so good. Like, why are you here? And I was, I told her the situation. She was like, well, I commend you for actually still following through. Um, and so at that point I was like, okay, I have a little person that's going to depend on me for the rest of their life. And so I need to kind of do better, you know, as an individual, as a person. So that way this person can grow up with a different experience than me. Um, and so it was at that moment where I became really serious with money. I mean, I was an extreme couponer <laughs> um, at that age. I would go into the grocery store and come out with carts full for like $20. Um, and my mom was just looking at me like, what kind of child do I have? <laughs> um, but that was part of that story as well. Um, and then I guess where it really got serious was I realized that I had to have credit to get credit, which is so backwards, but that's how it works. And so I was like, okay, I have to get a credit card. I went to my local bank where I had banked since I was 16. And I was, and this was when I was like 22 or so. Um, at that time I had two kids now. And so I was like, okay, I need to get a small credit card. All I asked for was $200. I got denied. And the reason I got denied was because she said the stuff on my credit report. Um, so I had medical bills on there. That was it. Medical bills. And then um, she said I didn't make enough. Now, I was always told that medical bills didn't matter. So that's why I tell people now don't listen to the lie because <laughs> they do. I was denied $200 because of it. Um, and then also the point she made was I didn't make enough money. And so from that moment on, I felt so dejected and so like just rejected. I was like, I don't believe I'm not worth giving $200 to. And so, oh, go ahead. How much did you make that, that they wouldn't approve a $200 limit on a credit card? So at that time I was working at a thrift store. And so I was making maybe like, 10 11 an hour or so um okay so maybe that's why but nevertheless the lesson i learned was i didn't make it enough money and i needed to get that stuff off my credit report so 
Um, from that moment on, that's when I started taking everything very seriously. And so I got a new job I um, that made more money. So that was kind of like my wake up call. And then I also got all of the medical bills off. Now, when I went back, <laughs> this is the funny part of the story. I actually got the same exact person that I had the previous year. Okay. So when I went to her office, I was like, dang, this is the same lady. But I was like, you know what? I want to say thank you to her because because of her, I'm, I was able to work on all of the steps needed in order to come back again. Just going back a second before, because yeah. I want to I want to hear how the same lady um, did it, and I want to build the climax even more um, for that. But but how how um, what what was the new job that you got, and how did you get rid of the medical debt? Yes. Ooh. So this is good. Okay. So by that time, I had graduated with my bachelor's. So, you know, this is fast forwarding a year from that moment. I had graduated with my bachelor's. I had got my first entry job as a receptionist. Um, and so at that time, I want to say I was making maybe like 12 or $13 an hour. It still wasn't super significant, but it was, you know, kind of a little jump from where I was. Now with the medical bills, here's a tip that I tell people. Um, I was ready and willing to pay um, whatever it is that they needed. Because according to my credit report, it said it was like 2000 something dollars worth. Okay. Now that was comprised of like a $4 here, a $20 here, you know, just nickel and diamond. Um, so I called and I was like, hey, you know, I noticed that there are these charges on my credit report. Um, I just wanted to inquire and get some information about it. So I didn't say I wanted to pay yet. When I said that, she, the lady I hear her type in, she's looking in the system and she's like, I don't see any of those with us. Um, she was like, all I see that you owe us is $30. And I said, are you sure? Because what's showing on my credit report is X, Y, Z. And they'll show she's doing some more research. And she's like, yeah, I'm sure. All I'm showing is we don't have that debt anymore. Um, I just show that you owe $30 and that's it. So, of course, in my head, I'm like, please take my card. Hurry up. Like, <laughs> But I said, OK, you still have to be smart about this. And so I went back to, to the lady as we were discussing. I said, OK, if I pay this $30 today, will you be able to give me something in writing saying that the debt is paid in full? And she assured me that she could. So then I was like, OK, go ahead and take my money. Um <laughs> So I gave her my card number. She did that. And then I was like, well, what do I do about all of these other ones that are on here that you all aren't showing? And she said to go ahead and dispute it. And I was like, OK, that's fine. So I went and I disputed the rest and um, they all fell off pretty much. Um, so that's why I tell people now, don't be afraid to talk to creditors. Just don't say that you're going to pay yet until you have all of the information, because once you say that you're going to pay then that kind of restarts the whole process if you're waiting for like the seven year thing that sometimes people do. Um, so don't say that you're going to pay, but just say, hey, I'm just inquiring to see what's on there. Um, so that's my that's my tip with that. Um, so hopefully that answered your question. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and sometimes you can negotiate those, right? So, hey, mm -hmm. I have $2,000. Um, it's four years old. Can I pay $400 and get this get this thing resolved? Um, sometimes that, that type of scenario can play out to, to, um, you know, depending on your circumstance. So always worth mm -hmm. a call there. And I love the advice, um, to learn and inquire, but not commit until you are fully informed and know and have all the facts. Exactly. 
And because I'm in this position, because I've talked to other people about paying off their debt, you were very smart in saying, can you give me something in writing that the debt is paid in full? Those are the things that you want to make sure you are following up on. Those bills could have been written off by the company. They could have been billed in error. They could have been paid by insurance. They could have been a lot of things. Whatever happened is whatever happened. Those circumstances aren't what's at issue here. What's at issue is what you still, what they are saying you still owe. She's showing you owe $30. I want you to tell me that that's paid in full, but here's my $30. I'm not going to try to negotiate $30 when you say that that's all I owe. Here you go. Here's my 30 bucks. Let's get this off my record. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of things that are on credit reports that are incorrect. I mean, people are, are putting this stuff in and they're, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing. You can't even see because my hands over here, they're doing these, you know, these nine keys or is it 10 keys? I guess it's 10 keys over here. You slip up, you make, you, you hit a three instead of a two. And now all of a sudden it's on your credit report instead of mine, because, you know, it's the wrong social security number or however that works. So there's, there's mistakes that are made, but you're not going to know what's on your credit report if you don't look at it. Exactly. And see, that's the key to look at your credit report, become aware of what's going on, because unless you're aware, you don't really know how to fix anything. So that was part of my journey. I had to become aware of the situation. And what prompted that was the lady telling me that I had stuff on my credit report. And I was like, you know what, let me go out there and look and see what's going on. And then second, having those conversations is so important. Like a lot of people just shun the bill collectors, you know, oh, the bill collectors call in, let me not answer. But a lot of times you can work out deals like Scott was saying, or sometimes they don't even have the debt anymore and you'll never know until you have that conversation. So, yep. And even at the time of the, of the medical bill, my daughter was born in the beginning of November and all the bills started coming in right around Christmas. And I'm like, oh, you know, I could really, if I could just pay this over a couple of months, that would just ease things up a little bit. I could do it, but I don't really want to. So I called up the the billing department of the hospital. I'm like, hey, I'm getting these bills. Is there any sort of payment plan options before I could even say, can I have two months to pay? She's like, we can do 11 months off. You know, I can offer you 11 months right now. If you need more time, you have to talk to a different department. I'm like, oh, I'll just take those 11 months. And it was like $1,100. I meant to, like, I was going to do it over two months, but I was like, I'll pay $100 a month for a year for my kid. Sure. <laughs> That's fine. But we, 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 we have to come back, though. Like, what did the, what did the lady say the second time? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For the credit card. <laughs> Hold on. Before we go back, because I just want to hit on Mindy's point really, really quick. Um, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know cliffhanger. <laughs> We're going to cliffhanger the whole episode. No, <laughs> get people to listen. No, but um, <laughs> with um, contacting hospitals and stuff, they have pools of money to where they can write. Like I've gotten um, hospital stuff for free at, at one point in my life because I didn't, wasn't making that much. And so I just had a phone call. They were like, oh, fill out this form for financial assistance. And boom, I didn't even have that bill anymore. So that goes back to the point of always reaching out. Okay. I'm not going to let you all hang off the cliff any longer. Okay. So when I went (laughs) back to the bank, I ended up getting the same lady. So I was like, do you remember me? And she was like, no, which I mean, I understand. (laughs) I mean, I'm like one of thousands of people she probably saw throughout the year. And so she's like, no, I don't. And I was like, 
okay. So I was like, let me go ahead and get through the process first. And then I'll tell her after, after fact. So we go through the process. She asked me, well, how much would you like to apply for? Now in my head, I'm like, well, I know my credit score is like 750 or something at this point. So I'm like, let me, let's do a thousand dollars. And so she runs it. She's like, oh, you're approved, you know, this, that, and the other. And so I was like, I just wanted to thank you. Um, so it wasn't like, a, oh, you told me that, that it was more of like gratitude. I was like, I want to thank you for telling me last year that I was denied and that, um, you know, I didn't make enough. And then I had stuff on my credit report because it set me on the trajectory to where I am today. And now I'm sitting in front of you asking for way more than I asked for before and I'm getting approved. So I really wanted to thank you for the impact that you've had on my life. And she was just like, you're welcome. (laughs) But it just felt good to like, you know, actually give her gratitude for that. Like, I'm glad that I had the same person. Um, and I was able to tell her how much of an impact she had on me because I know a lot of times bankers and stuff, they don't get that type of stuff. They're probably like, you know, all day, denied, 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 approved, denied, denied, you know? So it's like to hear someone say, well, this is how you impacted my life. Um, I felt like that would have a big impact on her life. So yeah, sounds um, like she was a true credit to your financial store, finance. Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't. (laughs) Well, great. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, yes, that was the pivotal moment. Um, So anyway, going on from there, um, you know, single mom of two boys for a very, very long time. Um, I ended up you know, because I was working in HR, doing Money Talk with Tiff part-time. So every time I would go home, I would just start working on Money Talk with Tiff. And then I realized, you know, Tiffany, you spend more time and you have more fun doing this money stuff. Why don't you just do this money stuff? And so I quit corporate America in 2019 and I have not been back since. What was your, let's go through like kind of the build up to your entrepreneurial journey. Because I think a lot of people, you know, want to want to recreate that to some degree. So you know, what year did you get the the thousand dollar um, limit? That had to be twenty fifteen, maybe, maybe twenty fifteen. Okay, so, great. So twenty fifteen, you're you're mm-hmm. you've just rebuilt your financial position, got rid of eliminated the medical debt, and got a thousand dollars in credit limit. What what happens to your personal finances over the next four years that sets you up to feel confident to leave your job and take on the the entrepreneurial venture full time? Gotcha. So actually, okay. So once I was able to get approved um, before, okay. So after that, I also got a Capital One card um, and I would only use those two cards for gas. So I would get gas, pay it off, get gas, pay it off, get gas, pay it off just so I can keep building that. Meanwhile, while I was building that, um, (laughs) I went, okay. So I finished my undergrad I actually went back to school (laughs) to get my master's. So just visualize for me real quick, a single mom, two boys. I was working two jobs and going to school full time to get my, my master's degree. But but like, let's, let's walk through that. So this is 2016, right? That this is going on. You're in the meat, you're in the meat of this, this journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what, what is, how do you, how do you finagle that? How do you handle daycare? How, how are you handling, um, uh, your household budget, how much are you saving um, or or going into debt to get the degree? What, what does that look like? Okay, so leading up to that point, 
um, I was literally, so when I was in my undergrad program, right, I was literally living from refund check to refund check, whether it was student loans or um, federal tax refunds, right? And so when I would get my refund, I would pay my rent up, you know, as much as I could. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, at least we'll have a place to stay if nothing else, you know, this, that, or the other. Now, once I got the job in corporate America doing the receptionist thing, um, I was able to get a promotion while I was at that job. So then I was making, I want to say $14, 15 an hour. Um, and then I realized, okay, I don't know if administrative work is what I want to do anymore because all throughout undergrad, I was like, Ooh, like I just want to be an executive assistant to some like <laughs> CEO or whatever. But then when I got the bottom level of that, which was receptionist, I said, yeah, this is not the life for me. Um, and so I saw the HR person walking around and, you know, started asking her questions about HR and things like that. And so she kind of took me under her wing. She started teaching me things, telling me what resources to plug into. And then I was able to get my first HR role through a temp agency here locally, which I tell people all the time, if you're looking for a career change or anything like that, definitely check out temp agencies because they have the jobs. Um, you know, they're able to get your foot in the door, even if you don't have any experience, as long as you fit their criteria of what they're looking for. So I was able to get my first HR position. And then um, I think at that- what year is that? Oh, God years. Um, it wasn't too long after, let's say 2016. Let's say okay, 2016. In, in 2016, you're, you're still getting your master's no. degree. I Okay. So I enrolled in my master's fall of 2016. So I was already in the HR position once I enrolled for my master's degree. That makes sense. Okay, great. And and you're working the HR job and you're enrolled in the in the master's um program. How are you how, what is day-to-day -day life like and how much are you able to save on a regular basis in that situation? Well, luckily, luckily I'm very very frugal by nature. Um as you can see like when I said I was a stream couponer, you know, from like 16, 17. So I've always been frugal. Um, and I've always, ever since the whole catalyst moment with the getting credit and stuff, I started budgeting. Okay. So I've always had a budget and I've always been frugal. So even as my income was going up, I still lived the exact same way, if that makes sense. So I didn't allow the income creep to get to me. I would still, you know, live like I didn't have any money because that's just how I live in general. Um, and so... As I kept increasing my income, my expenses stayed pretty much the same. So I was able to have more and more of a gap of, you know, what was available to me. And so that's when I started saving more, um, investing more. So um, in 2017, I bought my first house at 26 as a single mom of two boys. And then once I did that, um, 2018, I ended up getting my master's degree and so then I, after that, I got a job that was paying significantly more um, than where I was. Um, I mean, to the tune of maybe double, triple my salary. And so at that moment, I was able to really start saving because I still live the exact same. Like I still live the same today. So what were you, what were you saving before? You were obviously saving something previous to, <laughs> to that higher paying job because you were able to um, buy a house before you even got it. How, like, 
what what is your budget looking like? How are you financing your master's degree um, during that period? Okay, so my master's degree was all student loans. Um, I didn't pay okay. any of that while I was in school. Um, what I was paying some on while I was in my master's degree program, because see, here's the thing too. You know, they give you the grace period. So when when I enrolled in my master's program, my undergraduate went into de- um, deferment since I was back in school again. And so while that was in deferment and those are subsidized loans, I went ahead and started paying those down um, while I was working at the staffing agency, which was my fa- first HR role. So um, what my budget looked like, um, I really don't spend money. <laughs> No, it sounds horrible, but I really hate spending money. Like everything I wear is thrift store. Um, my car, uh, I don't like, I mean, it's a 2010 Mazda or something like that. I still have it to this day. Um, I just live very, very plain and very frugal. And also I will say another thing that really helped was, you know, having the kids, getting the tax refund and things like that. And so that would be able to bump my savings or bump my um, debt payoff up a little faster because I was always disciplined with those. Um, Like I wouldn't just go spend it on whatever. It always went to debt or it went to savings. That's it. Um, And so that also helped as well. But um, I mean, what did my life look like? It was go to work, um, (laughs) go to work, get the kids, um, come home, cook dinner, put them in the bed, work on money talk. And then when I was in school, it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it was go to school instead of getting the kids and going home. Um, And so the kids would go to my grandparents. So luckily I had a very good support system through all of this. I had family that helped me with the boys, you know, as far as um, watching them whenever needed, I would do Uber and Lyft a lot. Um, And so I would do Uber and Lyft. They would watch the boys. So I've always had other side hustles going on while I was working too. So that always helps. <laughs> awesome. That, I, I like that's a, that's a that's a phenomenal hustle and and lots of things going on there. It's really exciting to see. Um, so, well, okay. So when you get the new job that's paying two to three times more, what what is that job and 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 what happens next? How does how does that translate to the next milestones in your wealth journey? Yeah. So that was still in HR. Um, at that point, I was an HR business partner. So that was a step below VP. So I moved very quickly up the corporate ladder in HR, which I loved HR. Um, HR was awesome. It was just I love money more. So <laughs> so um, I worked my way up the corporate ladder and I love that job. Don't get me wrong, because I'm still a people person. I love people. Um, it was just so As that was happening, I was still driving Uber and Lyft. So even though I was making a decent amount of money, I was still doing Uber and Lyft. I was still doing Money Talk with Tiff, bringing in some money from that. I was still making soap. I make soap occasionally. Um, I know y'all are like, she does freaking everything. But um, (laughs) I was still making soap and selling soap. And so I always had some type of cash flow in addition to wherever I was working because I knew that my goal was to not work for someone forever. I've always had the mindset of an entrepreneur, even from the story I told you when I was like five. And so, you know, I get bored very, very easily working for someone else. 
Um, And so I'm like, okay, how can I do this? So then something happened at that workplace. And I said, okay, it's time for me to go. Um, And luckily what I had already did was I've already had the budget. I already knew what my daily number was, like what, what I needed to make for the month in order to cover all my bills. And then I broke that into daily. So at that point, it was like, I think as long as I made $50 a day, I would be okay. And so I'm like, $50 a day, I can do Uber and Lyft for like two to three hours and I'm done for the day, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it kind of started putting things into perspective. I'm like, I'm sitting here for eight hours every day um, and I can just work for a good two to three hours and I'll be all right. So um, I quit. <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to go. You know, everybody was always asking, well, where are you going next? And, you know, what company are you going to? You know, that's everybody's question. I'm like, nowhere. I'm going to work for myself. Um, And it was just so scary for other people. Like other people were projecting their fears onto me. They were like, but you have a house and you have two boys and you're a single mom. How are you going to do it? But see, they don't have the data that I have. They don't know that my number is only $50. (laughs) Like if I can make $50, I'm good. So I wasn't scared. Everybody else was scared for me. Um, so anyway, um, I ended up quitting that job, but that wasn't the last time I left corporate America. So that was back in. So let me ask you a couple couple more questions about that. So I, I, I first, I think that's, that's phenomenal. And that's the power of keeping expenses so low. And I think that it's a, it's a, you know, everyone thinks, oh, you know, driving income is the one that's, that's exponential here. and, and, And that's the lever that's most important, but what, there's this paradox where if you can spend very little, you can take a risk on something that's highly variable in income and like starting a business, right? It's much easier to have to get to break even on a business if you're spending $1,500 a month or $50 a day um, than it is if you need to generate $10,000 a month, right? There's also completely different tax brackets that you're in um, for, for, for those things that make it that much harder to eke out that extra, that that to go from eight to $10,000, for example, in income versus going from Fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars in income. So I, I think it's super powerful, and for those willing to do it, um, you just have so many more options, and you're likely to get way richer downstream. Not just because you can save up more when you spend less, but because you can take opportunities like this and say, you know what, I can go try this shot because my worst case scenario is I Uber for three three hours a day um, to break even before, while while I figure out my shot. So I think that's phenomenal, and I just love the very simple but powerful math there that most people are not going to act on, but that you did. Um, mm-hmm. And then second, I want to know about your cash position when you left that job. Had you built up a meaningful cash reserve and was that an influence in your decision? Okay. So this is where I tell people, this is the part where I went wrong, right? In this, this part of my story. Okay. So when I quit, you know, I was confident. I was like, yeah, you know, I think I had like, mm, maybe like a month or two worth of expenses saved up. And so I was like, yeah, I'm good. This, that, and the other. Now I was good for a little bit. And then I was like, it's starting to get a little tight. I said, oh no. Um, And so luckily (laughs) my old job that I had left before I had went to that one that was paying exponentially more, they called me because they needed someone because their payroll person was going on maternity leave. And so they knew that I knew the systems. I knew everything. I should have and- saved my rant for the second part here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can always 
edit it. <laughs> no, we'll leave it. In. That's, that's, that's. Um, and so um, they ended up calling me. Now I'm newly like free from corporate America, so I'm like. I don't want to go back, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but I was like, you know what, Tiffany, wait a minute. Let's think smart because this might be opportunity here. Like you're starting to see it's starting to get a little tight. This might be what you need to like, you know, take it to the next level. So I said, you know what, let's make a deal. I said, I will come back and help because mind you, now this is a perfect position to be in, right? Because they need me. Um, at this point, nobody else they hired, you know, to take her place for maternity leave was working out. Nobody could understand the system. And so they're like, you know, Tiffany knows her stuff. She did a really good job while she's here. And this is like the perfect position you want to be in as someone that's getting hired. Right. So I said, OK, let's make a deal. I'm like, I will come help, um, you know, run the payroll and stuff. I need this amount of money. I'm not going to say how much, but I was like, I need this amount. And um, once I'm done with payroll, I need to be off for the rest of the day. So don't try to give me any like filler work and, you know, all that stuff. Like if I'm done by 12, I'm out by 12, <laughs> you know, as long as I get my job done. So they pretty much hired me as an employee, but I was working similar to a contractor. And that was kind of my um, terms. Like I wasn't going to go back if I had to get back into that employee thing. Um, and so I went back to help them out, which was fine because I loved the company anyway. And um, <laughs> it's funny, while I was there, I'm thinking that the payroll lady is going to come back. She calls me and she's like, oh, I think I'm going to stay home with the baby and this, that, and the other. And I said, I see what happened here. The old bait and switch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, I ended up staying a little longer than I thought, but I didn't want to leave them hanging. So that was fine. And then also it allowed me to save up more money. So now I tell people, if you're going to make the big exodus from corporate America, make sure you have at least three to six months, maybe more on the six month end of things. Um, Cause that's where I ended up getting once I quit the second time. So I actually quit corporate twice um, officially, um, but uh, <laughs> it was just interesting how it all worked out in that way. Um, but being an entrepreneur is very, very hard and it's very, very value um, variable income. So you should at least have three to six months worth of expenses saved up at the minimum because um, you never know how things are going to go. And then I also tell people, um, make sure you have intrinsic motivation because it can get very, very hard at times and you will feel like giving up a lot of the time. But if you have an intrinsic motivation, so something within you like, this is why I do this. This is why I'm out here. This is what I'm doing, what I'm doing. Then it helps you get past those hurdles, you know, because um, that happens to me often. <laughs> I'm like, darn, like I could just sit at a cushy HR job and just get, you know, <laughs> the regular <laughs> income coming in. And then I'll get a text from a client saying, oh, I just paid off XYZ or I just got approved for a house. And I'm like, no, you know what, Tiffany, this is why you do what you do. So keep doing it. So. Okay. Before we move on, let's take one last break to hear a word from today's show sponsors. Becoming a Navy Federal Credit Union member could help you earn more and save more. Take advantage of competitive rates with their certificate options or start saving for that next big money milestone with a low minimum deposit. Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, 
you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long-term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe a live-in flip, or feeling ready to consolidate some of that high-interest credit card debt, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed-rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses much more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval. You're busy building your retirement accounts and emergency reserve, but what about life insurance? Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. The best time to get a policy? Now, since life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. But don't worry, with Policy Genius, you can compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks. Already have a policy through work? It may not offer enough protection. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Their award-winning agents work for you to find the policy that best fits your needs. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest stay. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing or two about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with a reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. Love it. Well, so, okay, so w- when did you quit the second time? What, what year is it? That was 2019. 2019. And mm-hmm. what has happened to your business and, and your financial, your personal finance story since then? Um, in 2019, I was actually working at a financial firm. So, okay. So I was there at the, the place, you know, helping with their payroll stuff. And then I graduated with my MBA and January of 2019, this financial firm locally, they were like, you know, I, I reached out cause I actually worked on their project when I was in my MBA program, they were our client. And I was like, you know, I want to get into the financial field. I want to get some experience under my belt, you know, in finance, not just in HR. And so they hired me on, I think it was like in January of that year. So I was working at a firm and of course, being that it's a financial firm, if there's any professional development opportunities related to finance, guess who was there? (laughs) Um, And so that's actually how I was able to go to FinCon Um, in 2019. um, The company actually paid for, you know, my lodging and everything. Um, Unfortunately, um, not too long after that, I ended up quitting. But um, that's another thing I tell people too. always ask. The worst they can say is no. 
Um, because I was going to something that was finance related, my company was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so I was able to go to FinCon as a result of opening my mouth and just asking for it at my employer. Now, while I was sitting at that job that I was only working with millionaires because that's all they service. And I was like, hmm. And I was studying to get my CFP because that's what they required. But I was just like, "Mm, I don't know if this is the type of people that I want to help for the rest of my life. Like, I love the money thing. I love the finance thing. But I really, really like helping people like pay off debt and negative net worth, getting it positive and improving credit scores and all that type of stuff. And I'm not getting any of that here. (laughs) Like, I got so tired of talking about estate planning and taxes. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just quit and just do money talk. But it gave me an opportunity to see what I really wanted to do when it came to the finance field. Um, I realized that that was not the niche for me. And then it actually helped me find what my niche is. Um, So I'm super grateful for the opportunity. And they are awesome people over there. If you are a millionaire, definitely check them out because they know their stuff. Um, But it was just not for me. So that's what made the decision. That's how, why I made the decision to quit there. Um, but they still refer me business. Like if anybody comes to them and they don't qualify or whatever, um, they'll send them to me, you know, that type of thing. So we still have a good working relationship. Okay. So, so this is the, oh. the third quitting of, of a job, but not corporate America. They're not, they're not corporate, um, this company. So what time did you leave that job? That was 2019. So I left from doing the, um, you know, helping out with the payroll thing. That was January, 2019. I got this job January, 2019. So I stayed a little extra (laughs) on the other one. Okay. So, so uh, at this point, are you start going into your venture full-time at the end of 2019? Yes. So August, 2019 was my last day in working for anybody else. Um, and so, um, During that time, and here's a funny part, Mindy, I know you don't know this part of the story, but I had created my podcast like a month before FinCon because I was like, okay, I want to be strategic. I want to make sure I have something, you know, so I can be like, oh yeah, I'm a podcaster, you know, that type of thing. (laughs) So I had like a good month under my belt um, just for the sole purpose of going to FinCon and advertising the podcast, right? Um, Because I knew that was what I wanted to do. But I was like, darn, like I could really use this opportunity to, you know, get more traction on it. And so I created the podcast a month before FinCon. And so while I was at FinCon, I was like, oh yeah, I have a podcast. It's Money Talk with Tiff. It's Money Talk with Tiff. And so I was like spreading the word and stuff. And then from there, it has just been guests the entire time I've had my podcast. So I would say like, 90% 90% of my episodes are guests now because people just keep coming like, oh, I want to be interviewed. I want to be interviewed. And so um, that's kind of how that whole thing started. Um, but when I quit from the financial firm, um, I was in like a really like dark place a little bit because I had just broke up with my boyfriend, you know, I <laughs> quit the financial firm. It was just a lot going on. But I still kept my wits about me. I still tried to do as much as I could as far as money talk was concerned. But it wasn't until I would say January 2020, right before COVID, where I started really like putting pedal to the metal. I was I had booked events in D.C., 
had booked events in California. Like people were getting me to speak. Like I was, that was my year of travel. Um, and then of course, as you all know, March, 2020 COVID hit. And so I'm like, oh. no, right when I was like, finally, like getting traction on all of this, um, that's what happened. So I couldn't travel. All the speaking engagements that I had booked got canceled um, and all of that. So I was like, okay, Tiffany, you have to pivot again. Um, and so I started doing online events, um, doing more one-on-one coaching virtually. Um, and then also I started, started a business in 2020 as well, another business um, that kind of got me through the whole COVID pandemic. What's the other business? We started a logistics company, um, which is expediting. So what that means is Sprinter vans and box trucks. So they do over the road like the big trucks do, but you don't need your CDL. So it was easy for us to keep getting drivers. You know, we had a good, um, you know, pipeline for drivers and things like that. So we were able to keep rolling and we actually expanded quite a bit in 2020. So, you know, how most people were like losing business and things like that. This was an industry that was kind of taking off, um, especially because even with all the shutdowns and stuff, we were able to be, um, you know, when they gave you the little paper saying that you were okay to keep working or something like that, um, we were able to get those. Um, And so we were still rocking and rolling 2020, 2021. Um, But now I've decided to refocus my attention back to Money Talk. But that was how we were able to get through the pandemic. Okay. So how does Money Talk with Tiff make money? Ah, so many different ways. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on, hold on. Before we jump into that, let's look at that. You have always had multiple streams of income. And now you've got kind of like your main company, your main focus of income still has so many ways of generating income. What was it? I keep seeing this. uh, Millionaires have at least seven streams of income or something. I keep seeing that phrase. And I don't know where that came from. I've never seen like the beginning statement of that. I've just seen people quoting that all Mm -hmm. the time. But Tiffany's got like 500,000 streams of income. (laughs) I wish (laughs) I'm working on it. (laughs) But but, um, as far as money talk is concerned, so um, I do speaking, I do corporate consulting. So One of the ways um, I work with corporations is since I do have an HR background and now have the financial piece as well, and I have certifications in both, um, I'll go into corporations to teach their employees about their benefits or to do financial wellness um, workshops, seminars, you know, whatever is needed. Because what I have learned when I was in HR and in corporate America is that a lot of people come in with a lot of financial mess going on. And so they can't be as productive as employees as they want to be because they're constantly thinking about what's going on on the outside. And so my position, and this is actually what I want to study because I do want to get my PhD, but the um, relation between financial wellness and where you are financially and your productivity in the workforce, and therefore how fast you're able to move up the corporate ladder. Like I believe... In my situation, I was able to move up so quickly because I had my finances in order for the most part. Um, But there's a lot of people that think about like while they're at work, they're thinking about what bills need to be paid, what debt, what da 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 da. And also another reason why I think I moved up so quick is because 
I was giving myself raises, i.e. I was quitting and then I was going to new jobs. Now, a lot of people are scared to do that because they're like, okay, well, I have my bills. I have this. How can I make these big drastic decisions when, you know, I have all this stuff going on? So that's my position when I go into corporations, um, helping them realize the impact of how financial wellness plays on their workplace and the productivity in the workplace. Um, so I do corporate consulting. Um, I do one-on-one coaching. Um, I was doing a, a mastermind group, but I kind of backed away from that. I'm in the process of writing a book. I have courses. Um, I do brand partnerships, um, link insertions on my website, ads on my website. Um, there's so many different ways that I make money as Money Talk with Tiff. So I really don't um, diversify in the way where I have multiple businesses going. Cause at one point I had like six at the same time and it was just very, very hectic. Um, so now I have this one, but I'm able to do so many different things with it. And they're all interrelated. There can, I'm sure that a lot of this is like you create one piece of content or one thing, and then you can like repurpose it and use it in many different ways and make money from it multiple different ways. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I'm excited for you, Tiffany. And this is just like, I mean, it seems like your whole life, but this has been a very, this is a lot of success in a very short time frame. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic too. I mean, we don't even talk about that. Yeah. And see, that's my thing too. Like my, one of my beliefs is everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear, right? It's one of my favorite quotes. And so anytime I feel scared of something, it's probably because I need to go ahead and dive in. So like, I attribute that to a lot of my success. I'm willing to take a lot of risks. Um, even when, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. See what happens. If I mess up, I learn from that mistake. And then I take that lesson and then I move on to the other thing, you know? Um, so I think that's a big contributing factor is I'm, I'm so willing to take any risk, <laughs> any risk, um, as long as it's feasible, um, and as long as, you know, what I perceive to be the risk reward is worth it, I'll I'll do it. So um, I think that has helped me tremendously in both my career, my business, everything in life. Um, it's just the ability to look fear in the face and just say, get out my way. Like I'm, I'm still moving on. So <laughs> you say you're willing to take on risk, but you are doing it from a very conservative financial position. You have increased your income without increasing your spending. So you are increasing your savings. You're increasing the delta between what's coming in and what's going out. And that is like really the biggest financial superpower you can have is to have so much more coming in than you are spending. And yeah. And see, the thing is like, when I say I take risk, I take important risk and calculated risk. So for instance, with getting the job that was making double or triple, yeah, I could jump in, jump out the frying pan into the fire, which it ended up being the case. But I was like, you know, let me go ahead and make this move, make this transition, make the best of it. And if things don't work out, I can just go drive Uber and Lyft, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But a lot of people don't even get to that point. And so that's what like a lot of times we hold ourselves back from success because we're just scared to take on risk or we're scared to um, just do the thing that we've been thinking about. We just sit there and think about it for years and years and years and years. 
and then we never do it. So I have always lived my life to where I just do things, um, which, of course, like I said, it bites me in the butt sometimes. But I never look at it like um, I always look at life like life happens for me, not to me. A lot of people say, oh, life is happening to me. Oh, woe is me, whatever, whatever. But I believe that life happens for me. So even if it's a quote unquote bad decision, there's still a learning opportunity there. And so that's the key to like how I live my life. Even though I could go through the most horrible things, it's like, okay, what was I supposed to learn in this instance? And then I don't sit there and wallow in it. I just use that lesson onto the next venture, onto the next thing. Um, And so, yeah. How, How do you invest personally? Okay, so investing. I will be honest, most of my um most of my investing is tied up into my house, my real estate. Um that's typically people's biggest, you know, thing. Um but I also have of course retirement plans and things like that. Um I will say cuz I started investing in the stock market, so like a retirement plan when I was 19. No, 18. It was like 18, 19, somewhere up in there. Um, And ever since then, now granted, (laughs) I wish I would have kept that money around. I had to cash it out like when I was like 20 something, when I was going through that tough period. Um, But I've always loved investing into the market. So of course that's a a percentage. Um, So I jotted down some numbers. I I would say like 50% real estate, um, probably 40 or so percent stocks and then 10% bonds somewhere up along those lines. Um, Cause I do like to have, and of course, within that. Most of your net worth is in your business. Well, that too. Yes. Right. So yeah. So that, that's, a, that's another huge investment there. And see, that's the thing. Like as an entrepreneur, it never clicks to me <laughs> that, that this is a business. Like I have so much fun doing it. And it's just like, to me, it's not work. So it's not until people pointed out like, well, Tiffany, you have your, what about your, and I'm just like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I would be interested to see what your business is worth. I think your um, investment allocation will be very different once you, once you can factor that in. But I, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a whole entire different show. Yeah. Cause factoring I'm, in I'm just business. over here thinking like, now I'm gonna have to go back to my net worth and my like my financial plan and, and incorporate the business because I did not like that. And that's a good point. Like, so that might be something that I do after the show actually is start incorporating my business into there. You, yeah, you're, you're, you want to, it's interesting with, with folks like, like with, with your business where most of the business is related to your, your name, right. And your, your image and likeness. And so you have to be kind of, you have to be thoughtful about how you value it. It probably generates a lot of income for you, but it may not be like a ton of value that you can put on your net, net worth statement from that. So mm-hmm. something, something to think about. Um, and as time goes on, make sure that it's, it's about the, the bigger brand, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, like bigger pockets, right? Bigger pockets is, you know, it was not about Josh Dorkin, our founder. It's about the business of helping people um, invest in real estate and learn how mm-hmm. to build private wealth. So. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. Cause like when I started this, like I keep 
trying to get myself out of the mindset that this is a side hustle, right? Because I've had it as a side hustle for so long. And now I'm like, no, Tiffany, this is a business. So like recently I had to, um, you know, start treating it like I wasn't a corporation. You know, when you go, when you're working for someone, you get up, you go to work and you're at your desk until lunchtime. And then you're at your desk for the rest of the day. And as an entrepreneur, sometimes that's hard because you look around your house and you're like, oh, well, the dishes. Oh, well, the laundry. Oh, there's the bed. Oh, let me go get something to eat. And then you look up and then nothing gets done. So I've recently had to start implementing, okay, from eight to five, this is what you're doing, period. Like, don't get distracted with what's going on out there. And then so on and so forth. So sometimes it doesn't click because like originally when I started Money Talk, it was just a blog. I was just blogging about my journey. So I never expected it to become a business. But now that it is, I need to step into that and actually own that, you know? Um, is there anything else you want us to cover or dive probe into before we do our outro? No, that's all. I think, you know, I think I gave you all enough of my life. No, I'm just kidding. I think it's been a great show. So thank you very much. It's been wonderful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, great. Mindy, you want to take us to the outro? I do. Okay. Tiffany, this has been a super lot of fun, but we're not done yet. Okay. We still have our famous four. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, Tiffany, what is your favorite finance book? I, so I struggled with this question, but I want to say the most impactful to my life is Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. Um, that book has changed my entire outlook on how I view money. So I would, that would be the one I would say, Your Money or Your Life. Classic. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest money mistake? Well, I went over a lot of them in this episode, um, but I would say quitting corporate the first time with not enough money saved up. Nice. I think Completely negating my, my rant in favor of that. Um, right after you said it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but, but, you know, just make sure you have enough. Like, don't just do it with one month. <laughs> it's not going to work probably. Um, but anyway, <laughs> What is your best piece of advice for people who are just starting out? Budget. Budgeting will be like, it, budgeting is a lifesaver. I don't care if you don't want to call it a budget because I know that triggers some people. Call it a cash flow statement. Call it like a, a, a money manifestation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you need to know how your money's flowing in and flowing out. Otherwise, any of this stuff that you heard me talk about in the podcast that you hear me talk about all the time would not be possible unless I knew how that money was flowing. That's the only way to get to any other financial goal. What is your favorite joke to tell at parties? So believe it or not, um, I'm a very funny person, apparently, but I never tell jokes. Like, <laughs> usually, <laughs> like I just say stuff and people start laughing. So I, I don't have a favorite joke, honestly. <laughs> No dad jokes, sorry. Oh, no, no dad jokes. We're gonna we're gonna look up um, um, at dad says jokes. Who is my favorite Instagram account at this point? Let's see what let's see what he has to say today. <laughs> I woke up this morning to find two birds sitting in the sun in our backyard eating ice cream. They were basking robins. Oh, oh that's fantastic. That's terrible. So while you're looking for that. I'm so horrible with this stuff. Like me and my friends, we were all on a call and we were just rambling out dad jokes. I had to Google all of mine and, <laughs> and they weren't even funny. And I was just like, dang, missed the mark. 
This is from Cadence. So I am the troop cookie manager for our Girl Scout troop. And when I was picking up cookies, my friend Cadence, my new friend Cadence, was standing there helping out with the cookie pickup. And she said, why do fathers always bring an extra pair of socks when golfing? In case they get a hole in one. So that's from my friend oh, Kate. Fantastic. Ah, <laughs> I'm just here for the didn't. <laughs> Did you know the dogs can't operate an MRI machine? But cats can. Oh, ah, nice. Okay. That was from Daphne's homework. <laughs> All right, Tiffany, where can people find out more about you? <laughs> So you can find me at moneytalkwitht.com and all social media platforms at moneytalkwitht. And also check out the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. I'd love to have you over there. Awesome. Tiffany, I'm so glad we were finally able to connect. This was a super fun show. And I really appreciate you taking time to share your story with us. I really loved it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had a ball. I hope you all did too. And hopefully my uh, jokes made it through. <laughs> <laughs> They all landed perfectly. <laughs> thank you, Tiffany. All right. Thank you so okay, much. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> okay. That was Tiffany Grant from Money Talk with Tiffany. Holy cow. I love her story, Scott. I love her spirit. I love her smile. Wow. She never stopped smiling that whole time, even when she was talking about some of the less exciting things that have happened in her life. And she just doesn't seem to allow anything to to sway her from her goals. I really love her spirit. Yeah, I, I, I think her attitude and, you know, her ability to maintain, to, to, to stay grounded and keep her expenses low, even as her income was rising, is obviously a huge theme in her success and a theme we hear consistently across many guests on this show. Um, and then I think her attitude as well um, and willingness to, to take risks and, and pursue her dreams and get clear on what she wants. Um, and do what she likes day to day, I think are all huge tailwinds behind her. So I, I think her career as an entrepreneur is just getting started and the sky's the limit for her. I could not agree more. She is going to continue to crush it. And again, the number one superpower that she has financially is her ability to keep her expenses low. And she doesn't seem to feel like that's a hardship. It seems like that's just the way it is. And that's, she's, She's not uh, feeling the pinch. And I identify with her as she's telling her story over and over again. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you do that I do too. And I just completely identify with that. I don't spend a lot of money. Um, as you can see, if you're following along with my budget, www.biggerpockets.com slash Mindy's budget, where I am completely screwing up every single month. Uh, so far, two months in a row, blowing it. But I am still trying to stay within my budget. Somebody said, oh, I think your budget was too tight to begin with. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I could tighten that way up. <laughs> I could tighten that so much more if I if I really chose to. Um, I don't think it's too tight. I want to live within this budget. I don't think it's a hardship. And I think that Tiffany is the same way. It's not too hard. It is, she's just conscious of it and being conscious of what you're spending and you know, spending on things that matter is so important. And it is, it's allowed her to, live her dreams. And that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. Should we get out of here, Scott? Let's do it. From episode 283 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Minnie Jensen saying, let's jam, Sam.
Becoming a Navy Federal Credit Union member could help you earn more and save more. Take advantage of competitive rates with their certificate options or start saving for that next big money milestone with a low minimum deposit. Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe a live-in flip, or feeling ready to consolidate some of that high interest credit card debt, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses much more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.